And I remember this feeling of desperation like in my chest as the months would pass and I was like, I gave two things I needed and this one is not happening and this is a big one. And I think that was the beginning of the end is me putting my needs out very, very clearly and not having my needs met. There's so many red flags, like this isn't a compatible thing. Who are you? Oh, hello. My name is Aline. I am a retiring content creator slash ex-Mormon slash half Jew. Do you think this is a good description for yourself? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great description. <laughs> What retired creator means? I feel like a retired or semi-retiring creator is someone who made content and is like burned out and is not sure if they want to keep making content or not and might want to do other things. Also, I decided I want to switch sides with you. What do you mean switch sides? I want to sit there. Okay, maybe in 10 minutes when we are longer in the podcast. No! <laughs> so uh, tell me about the, continue about the content creator thing. So you got sick of it? Yeah, I feel like some people are content creators inside, if that makes sense. Like you see them and they're making content and you're like, that is a content creator. I'm not a content creator. I'm like a person. I'm like a personality that made content. I'm like a person who could have done many things and just like happened to end up making content, if that makes sense. What do you think you really are inside? I think I I know what I am inside. I feel it like it's I can see it and I feel it to explain it maybe is difficult, but I feel like I have like this powerful energy inside of me, like this momentum that even when I'm sick, even when I'm tired, There's something inside of me that like wants to do more in life. Um, and so I feel like content was just a road. It was just a method of doing more. It was just a way to communicate messages I wanted to share. Yes, but you said like some people, they are creator inside. Yeah. You feel them that they're creator. Yeah. I think I'm one of those people. I, yeah, I think you are too. I didn't but, want to speak for you. But, yeah. <laughs> but what do you think you are inside of you? If you are not a content creator inside of you, like what type of things? This might sound egocentric and it's not meant to sound egocentric. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> Should I say it or not? Yeah. <laughs> If I really think about who I am, since I'm young, I feel like I'm a leader. So, and when I think about what people like from me online, they like my thoughts. Right. So even if I want to make a travel vlog or I want to make an opinion piece, what people really like and they respond to is my opinions. So I feel like for my group of people and for the people who relate to me, I'm I feel like what I am at my core is like a leader and specifically like I hate this term, but like a thought leader. Like that's what I am. I'm very analytical. I think a lot. I analyze a lot. So the one benefit of that is that I, I have opinions that I can back up with my analyses. So I think that is who I am at my core is someone who like thinks and observes and then creates thoughts and opinions. I'm still open to change my mind all the time. And I'm someone who's willing to share those thoughts and opinions and tell other people, hey, this is what I think, right? I'm vegetarian. This is why. 
or I stopped only buying sustainable clothes and this is why. And I can back up my decisions with arguments because I think so much and I'm so analytical. Okay. So yeah. we were yesterday together and we were talking and I told you, Aline, you became a bitch. <gasps> yeah. And you said, no, uh, I think you are right. This is what you said. I am. But uh, you said, ask me that on the podcast. So okay, yeah. I remember you so were, first, wait, okay. let me talk. <laughs> I remember before uh, the, like one, two years that I met you, okay. you were a lot nicer to people, <laughs> to the generally around you. But the last, two days that you hung out no <laughs> yes two days that you hung out you i see a bit of change so i'm, I'm not saying it's in the negative yeah but i'm not saying bitch is a negative word <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> great well you know what's funny is i was in my not really therapy but like therapy style coaching earlier before this and f i forgot we had that conversation and then randomly i was talking to her and i was like Oh, this time at Nas Summit, like I feel like in the past few years at all these events, like I'm less friendly because I feel like I'm associated with Nasir, with my ex-boyfriend. And so I feel like he, I compete for his attention with his company. So anyone that has to do with his company, I'm immediately unintentionally more cold towards because I see them as my, the reason I don't have time with my partner and that, you know, we're far from each other emotionally because he's always doing work stuff. And so I was just telling my therapist lady, I was like, I'm so much nicer now. Like I'm able to be myself more. I'm more open. I can spend more time connecting with everyone. I think hopefully that's what, I, because in the, when you're the, the boss's girlfriend also, like people are like not going to open up to you as much and they don't trust you. And you know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so it's funny that you're saying like essentially the opposite, which is that like, I'm more of a bitch now. And I was like, I'm, so much more myself now but maybe myself is a bitch but I agree that bitch is not necessarily a bad thing but what I want to know is give me like specific behaviors instances or interactions before that made you think I was nice and what now made you be like oh something has changed well I only see you in events and stuff that we yeah. do so I think before because I think I think it's different because you uh, you were associate is like you are one of the organizers of the event. So you needed to be good and nice to everyone and sugarcoat everyone or say thank you or all this stuff. Do you mean but, to the other speakers? No, to the other speakers, to the other people and all this stuff. But this time you didn't need to yeah. do this stuff. Yeah. So maybe that's the change that I felt. I wonder, I wonder, I think it's also just that in the past I was very... Um, Like I didn't want people to think I was mean. And so I went to like extra lengths to be nice or friendly or like smiley. Cause I would be like, I want to be the welcoming, nice person. And I don't know if I'm totally changed or if it's just my personality changed from that event to this event. Maybe next week I'm going to seem really nice again at another event. Right. But the truth is I'm also in general in my life, um, being fine with being less likable at this point because a lot of my brand of dear lean before was like girl next door fun friendly like i never showed alcohol i never showed partying um i was just like kind of like smiling all the time and like cute and now i'm just like i find now i find that to not be natural for me 
I don't think I'm that girl anymore. Like as women evolve in their lives, they have different phases, right? So you have like your virgin phase, not literal virgin, but like young and sweet and this. And then you have like your queen phase. And then you have your sage phase when you're older and you're like a wise old woman, right? So I feel like I'm in more of a queen phase now and I'm leaving my like maiden young woman phase. And I'm like, I'm I'm a fucking grown up now. Like my job is not to be like nice to everyone. My job is not to smile all the time. Like you smile at me. Why am I smiling at you? Like if you want to talk to me, talk to me. And like even at this event, there were times like that I did things where I was like, this could be perceived as very bitchy. And I knew it and I still did it because I'm in an era where in the past I always do what's best for everyone else and it's very draining. And so now I'm working really hard on doing what's best for me. And I think in the end, what's best for me is also best for everyone else in the long term. What's best for you is best for your friends and family in the end. Do you feel better now with doing this? Yeah, More I feel free? so much better. I feel like powerful now. I feel powerful because like I don't feel like I'm jumping through all these hoops. I don't feel like I have to worry what people think about me. I don't have to worry like because I would always get stuck in conversations because I didn't want to be rude and I didn't know how to leave a conversation and I'd be in the conversation like talking to someone and in my head it would be like five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I'd be like, I want to die and I, and I hate this person right now. And I'm sure they're a nice person, but why are they talking to me for so long? I'm at an event with a thousand people and I don't want to be stuck right here and I'm exhausted and I have to, you know what I mean? So this was my internal narrative. When I could have just said, so nice to meet you, I have to run. And then I would have a more positive thought about that person later. By being nice to them, I was being mean to them. I, I resent them. Now, if I'm at the event, I didn't take that many selfies. I took selfies, of course. I went out and I took selfies. But I didn't do in the past what I would have done, which is spend five hours taking selfies until I was drained and depleted. Now I'm like, gotta run, excuse me. Like, I don't make as much eye contact. I intentionally walk like I need to go to the bathroom. Before I never, the first summit, I didn't eat because I couldn't get to the food because I was always talking to people and being friendly. By the way, important to say that uh, NAS Summit is an event that uh, people talk and share thoughts. Creators teach other aspiring creators what to do. Yeah. Important information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can add that earlier. <laughs> yeah, NAS Summit. NAS Summit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, you probably get, I don't know if you care if you get got sick of this conversation but it's very very interesting to me and i don't care like you said you don't care about what other people I don't think care. <laughs> so i want to talk about how was the transition of the breakup for your life you said that you you said that you before that before we started the podcast that i'm, yeah. trying, I'm in survival mode yeah so tell me so i would say The breakup was uh, maybe four months ago, something like that. The thing with most breakups, especially when it's initiated by the woman, is that it's usually been thought about for a long time. And so I'd already been thinking about it for a long time. I didn't want to do it. I was trying to find ways not to do it for a long time. That's why I thought about it for so long. Because I was like, let's see if we can try this. Let's try that. But it essentially, it essentially reached a point where I was like, this person is not going to... Um, have what I need at this point in my life, which is emotional support. And that's just, you know, this person has many other amazing things, which is why I was there for so long, but not this one. <laughs> six years? Yeah, six years officially dating and then seven years total with 
because we had like unofficial year before. And how much time you were thinking to do that before you took that decision? I mean, listen, before we got together, I even said to him, we cannot date. Like he, this, this is not secret information. We've talked about this before. I was like, there's so many red flags. Like this isn't a compatible thing. Um, but sometimes in life you just like, you know, he was very persistent And then after he wasn't persistent, after we like kind of separated, we traveled separately. I dated some other people and I was like, these people are boring. Um, and I want to die when speaking to them out of boredom. And so I was like, let's try temporarily. So we did like six months trial. I was like, let's date for six months, not break up for six months. Because it's easy when you're dating to like run away. So I was like, let's commit to six months only. Right. And we did that and we did that. And I did break up with him before. I've broken up with him before. We've broken up from each other before. Um, this is the longest time that you broke up? Yeah. No, this is like a breakup breakup. Those breakups were like a day, like two days, never like months. Okay. It was like <laughs> I left. I'm like, I'm going to this hotel. And I. they felt real, of course, at the time. But then it was like, the thing is, I would reach a point where I was like, You know, he won't apologize for something and he he thinks he shouldn't have to apologize. It's And then there's a misalignment. And then, so I'm like, well, I, I can't deal with this. So then I'm like, I'm done. And then he'll come and then he'll apologize. Right. So a lot of times in relationships, I think people change at the last minute. So for a long time, he'd change at the last minute and do just enough of whatever I needed. And then I would come back. Um So yeah. six years and how long ago you thought about breaking up with him the serious time? Like how much? I mean, it was always serious. Every time was serious in my head. No, I mean the But last this time. Ti this time that you were thinking about it for a long time. I don't know because I'm I'm very an indecisive person. So it's amazing that I'm in any relationships for any amount of time because I'm so indecisive and I go back and forth. But I guess once I'm in a relationship, I'm very dedicated to the relationship. Historically. In the future, I will not be. I'm also changing that about myself. Um, <laughs> historically, I was like, once I'm in, I'm like, let's make it work. And now I'm going to be like, I will Jumping do no around. fucking effort. You make it work. <laughs> This is your job now. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the... The question was, if you had thought about it for a long time, you said you thought Listen, about... Listen, a year before the breakup, I said to him, we were on a trip together trying to work on things. And I said to him... I'm trying to think of what I can say, by the way, without disrespecting him. So that's why if I think for a minute, I want to make sure I don't say anything he would be uncomfortable with. I was like, hey, there's a couple things I need in this relationship for it to work. I need this one thing that's private. And then I said I need um, for you to go to therapy, which is public. He talks about therapy. Uh, and I also want us to go to couples therapy. So he refused personal therapy, but he agreed to couples therapy. But I also gave a specific task. I was like, Because I'd been going to therapy for four years. I was doing all the emotional work. And I was like, you need to go organize it. You need to find the therapist. You need to book the sessions once a week for us, right? So he outsourced it, of course, to his executive assistant. But he did find us a few therapists. We did like one or two or three trial things. But then there was no follow-up. There was no like, and I would follow up with him. And I remember this feeling of desperation like in my chest. And I would as the months would pass and I was like, I gave, I gave two things I needed and this one is not happening. And this is a big one. And it's not that hard. It's one hour a week. It's not that hard. Schedule it. doesn't matter who it is. If you really wanted this relationship to work, 
you would schedule it. You'd schedule it with the world's shittiest therapy because therapist, because all I said is one hour a week of couples therapy. I said, you can choose a therapist. And I remember like texting his assistant and being like, can you please help schedule these? Like, it's really, really important. Can you please help? Even I was fine if she did it. And it's not her fault, obviously, or responsibility. But I was like, it's just not happening. And I was reminding him. And I shouldn't have had to remind him. It should be like, I say it. And if you care, it happens. And I think that was the beginning of the end is me putting my needs out very, very clearly and not having my needs met. And that's okay. That's his decision, right? It, it, he didn't want to do that or he didn't prioritize that. Like this is a smart, successful man who can raise, you can raise $20 million, but you can't organize a therapy session. I'm not, I'm not going to be the one sitting around waiting. Like you're capable and you obviously are not willing to do something like that to make me feel comfortable. So I think that was the beginning of the end was like right a year before. So there was a lot of red flags you spoke in the Yeah, in the incompatibility beginning. red flags. But uh, probably also from his side as well, because you don't want children and he wants children. So yeah. there, uh, so how, how, so you saw together, future together for... Mm, the thing with us, the thing, the thing is like, I don't believe in what you see in the future for me because there's a lot of people like they see their future it's wrong so what's the point okay. you know every every couple that gets married is like oh i see a future with my partner and then half of them get divorced so to me it's useless to see a future that's irrelevant so and you don't like, imagine any future i think through possible scenarios occasionally like like you know for example i'm a really intelligent capable partner right so i'm a you good think. i know i am <laughs> there's not a doubt in my mind right um and so for example like if he got into politics i'm like a great politician's partner i'm incredible i'm so good at like dinners and meetings i can talk to anyone i know things about different cultures i speak different languages i'm great to be a plus one at these things right And he knows that. We agree on this, right? We could have been like Bill and Hillary, right? This like more of an empire style couple. But the thing is for me, like the empire is not enough for me. I need the connection. I need the like love and I need the feeling cared for. Interesting. So it was like I had to kind of accept like he and me together are incredible in that way. Like, but there's too many hangups in the emotional sphere Um, that if I'm not feeling emotionally taken care of, I don't want to be someone's Hillary or maybe he'll be my Hillary or someone will be, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be like this incredible support for someone that's not giving me the incredible support that I want. Because of course, if you talk to him, he'll say, oh, I supported your career. I supported this. That's not what I wanted. I wanted the emotional thing. Can you define me what is emotional thing? So, Because it's very vague, I think. So, you know, there's like intelligence, like intellectual intelligence. There's street smarts. There's academic school intelligence. And there's emotional intelligence, right? So emotional intelligence is partially communication. So, for example, I could say to you, um, I felt the way you spoke to me at, at dinner in front of our friends was hurtful. And it made me feel like you don't think I'm important. And then 
if you have a low emotional intelligence, you might say something like, well, how is that my problem? Or why didn't you say something? Or, well, you don't support me. That's a low emotional intelligence response. A high emotional intelligence response would be something like, um, oh, I'm sorry you felt that way. I would never intend to do that. Um, you know, what did I say that made you feel that way? Uh, let's talk about it. That's, that's what I want. And what I was getting was more in the other direction. That's emotional intelligence. Does that explain it? Yes. So, and he has low emotional intelligence, you think? I know. And he knows. And he said it publicly. I'm not saying anything. Like we always used to joke, like we took these personality tests on day 1000 of the thousand video journey in Malta. And I couldn't believe it because it's a scale of like one to a hundred. I still don't think this is true, but he had a zero on empathy. A zero out of a hundred, like officially. <laughs> so it's not just me, right? And maybe he doesn't want to be empathetic. Maybe he wants to live his life like this. Great. But I can't be there with you. You know, I have to respect myself also and draw the line somewhere. Okay, so uh, it's, it's, it's a bit funny because I, I I was asking you a relationship advice like two years ago yeah. if I need to break up with my girlfriend or not. What did I say? You, you said, ah, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, you... <laughs> I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> but yes, I broke up with my girlfriend and you broke up with us. So I'm wondering, seeing things from above, when you have this busy life, like now, Nosayer has now. Yeah. If if you can make things work with a partner, hundred percent. Yeah, you can. Please, can you elaborate? I think a hundred percent. It's about time management, organization, and priorities. Um. I think actually having a partner can make your work so much better, right? But you need to have the right partner. I mean, look at what we did during the thousand days of videos. He had me with him all the time. He had emotional support. He had planning support. He had logistics support. He had script writing support. He had a perfect support, honestly. Someone who will go with him everywhere, who has free time, you know, who works online. Support, right? In the end, it still didn't work, right? Because I was kind of hoping eventually the energy would change. Like, you know how somebody puts their husband through medical school, but then later their husband like is like, no, you can go get a master's or whatever. I was waiting for the energy to shift and I saw that it will never shift. You know, he will always be the important one in the dynamic, which some people will probably like, but not me. <laughs> you yeah. want to be the important one. Um, so I haven't decided yet. Uh, now I'm in a, an era of exploring what I want. Okay. And trying to strip away social expectations and trying to strip away what I think I should want. And I'm trying, and I'm trying to strip away like what are, is my like childhood trauma? What are my emotional blockages that are making me think I want something? Like, why was I attracted? I was attracted to Nasir. Why? It's obviously someone that's not a good match for me. So I need to look at myself and be like, you chose this person. You dedicated seven years of your peak life years to this person. Why? What, what about that person and the way that they treated you that you didn't like? Were, were you okay? Why were you okay with that? You know? So that's what I'm working on. And then maybe in the future, I will be like, 
you know, Nasir was always talking about recently, he's, I think someone told him this thing that two alpha personalities cannot be together. And I think, I don't, I don't know if it was you or someone else. Someone at this conference was like, you're like the most alpha female I've ever met. But I also want to like be more feminine. And I want to like, I'm also very feminine, but energetically, I'm not feminine. Energetically, I'm like straightforward, you know, Israeli, tell you what I want, direct, let's be efficient. But I think I don't know that I need to be alpha in the relationship. I don't, I don't actually want that. I think I want a partner where it really feels like this flow of back and forth. I support you. You support me. I support you. You support me. We support each other. It's not like a competition of who's alpha and who's not alpha. It's like two people who are like communicating and growing together and like want to be the best versions of themselves, but also not only care about work. So these messed, up your because you have you completely changed your life now that yeah the, the last four months yeah how, you can see that how is the shift Beca I completely yeah. changed in terms of like you see that or you're asking me that no I you you are not living the life that you were living five months ago yeah okay so, okay. so <laughs> she, she's searching for a compliment guys no, no no I'm not searching for a compliment I didn't understand if it was a question or a comment I was like because what do you mean I've changed my life no your life shifted tell me about it how the transition is and how it looks like now okay I'm not sure what you're referring to but I mean obviously my life has changed in that I'm not in a key relationship anymore. And a big part of that was that my mind space for seven years was being taken up by this relationship because I was like, a relationship is the most important thing in life. Your relationship is the most important thing in life. That's what I thought. Your partner is the most important thing in life. Making it work is the most important thing in life. And- Wow, that can be stressful. Oh, it was very stressful and it was exhausting. And I was realizing after a few years, I was like, I go to therapy every week. And 80% of what I talk about is this relationship. And like, when am I going to talk about myself and how I feel and my own problems and my own relation and my own work and my own life? And now that I'm out of the relationship, 80% of my brain has been freed to be about me. And like, that's why I'm not thinking about future relationships because I don't need some, you know, they joke on like, I don't need a dusty man taking up that 80% of my brain again. That doesn't deserve it. So I'm going to give that 80% of my brain and my original 20% all to myself. <laughs> and that's the biggest change in the last four months is I'm also now just like content wise, I'm like, this is who I am. If you don't like it, please go away. I'm not here to cater to you because to tell the truth, originally when I'm building an audience, part of the reason it worked so well is because I knew how to cater to people. I had a projection of who I was. I had one side of myself online. I had the sweet, friendly Aline. That was real, but I was not showing the full Aline. And what's funny is a lot of people who know me in real life and they meet me after they see me online, they're like, wow, you're so much better in person. Like, you're so much funnier. Uh, you're quicker. You're much smarter. You're good at business. You don't show any of that online. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I was actually doing myself a disservice by doing what I thought was best, which is being that kind of projection of a concept. So now online, my life has changed because the content I'm going to start putting out is essentially me talking. It's going to be like, camera's here, phone is here, my uh, 
head of content will tell me things that people have been asking and I'll just talk for a minute each and give my opinion, 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 opinion. In the past, I did these like highly edited, very exhausting videos to make. I'm building a team. So I run the retreats. I'm running retreats and I'm going to go from retreats that are more accessible, probably to really high level retreats. Because I'm thinking about me now. Who do I want to hang out with? Okay, I'm at a level where I'm a... You know that I'm, I'm organizing retreats is not a very common job that people understand. You want to oh, elaborate? should I say what it is? Okay, <laughs> okay. I don't know what, what people know. I, I thought retreats are like normal. I don't... But yeah, a lot of people don't know what retreats are. So a retreat is essentially a trip in one place where you're working on something. It's not a trip like a vacation. It's not like a trip where you go see 10 cities in seven days. It's like a week-long therapy, essentially. So women apply. I do mostly women. Sometimes I open it to men. It depends on the the theme. By the way, I consider this girl in front of me the most feminist. Uh, only girls are allowed. <laughs> but I think it's important, actually, to yeah. have that because the balance uh, needs to go on there. Well, when the there's scale. men around, then it becomes... The dynamic change. Dynamic change. I mean, I had one with men recently and then there's all this drama happening and boy-girl things. And I'm just like, this is the problem with mixing men and women at these retreats is there are great reasons. There's great benefits. I loved having the men's opinions on relationship talks because we talk about relationships, open relationships, sexual, you know, long-term relationships and being sexual. How does that work? Um, it's very interesting to have the men's perspectives but also it can get messy sometimes. Like if there's a single guy and a single girl and then some, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so we do allow men sometimes. If they tell me they want to come, then I open it up. I'll, I'll arrange one for men. But the point is, the nice thing with women only is they feel much more free. They're not worried that much about how they look. They're not worried about what they eat. They're not worried about if they have makeup or their hair done. Yeah. They can say what they want. They can. These are like, essentially it's a place you can tell the truth. Like how many places can you t tell your net worth? We all talk about our net worth and our investments and how much money we make and how much. These women, like every retreat, more and more impressive women come. And that's kind of my focus for the next year is I'm going to do online courses, which are more accessible, right? Anyone can get the course. They can learn what I learn. It's a download of my brain, right? Here's how I think about money. Here's how I think about manifesting. Here's how I think about who you should have in your life or not. And then the retreats are the in-person events which don't make that much sense business-wise because they're such expensive things to run. But it's fun for me and that's how I make my best friends. All my best friends that are women, almost all of them, not all of them, I'd say at least 70% are girls who came on the retreat. I got to know them. They kept coming to retreats and we spent a week together talking about like, like last night we were all talking a bit. Imagine that one hour chat for like seven days. I don't know if that explains what a retreat is, but I tried. <laughs> We're going. I will ask you later about your <coughs> net worth as well. But great. Uh, but let's. So your life. You you still hang out. You still do the same thing that you were doing before the break. You hang out with the same people. Go mm. in the same places. No. Same friends. No. No. I used to be um, always thinking about when I can see my partner. So do I need to fly back to Dubai? Should I go meet them in another country? Now I can do what I want to do. And par partially, you know, when you break up with anyone, you're afraid that your life will change for the worse, right? Because I'm divorced. So when I got divorced, I was like, oh, my couple's friends aren't going to want to hang out anymore. It's going to ruin my social life. Uh, my family's going to be angry. 
but then you reach a point where even all those scary things, it becomes worth it to risk them. So I reached that point where I was like, I'm going to lose all my social life. Like my friends are obviously going to choose him because he's powerful and rich and famous. Why would they hang out with me? And I was so wrong. <laughs> Thank God they're real friends, right? They still want to hang out. I do hang out with some of the same friends, but I hang out with them way more because I have so much time. So now instead of prioritizing a partner or my dating life, I'm prioritizing my friends. I'm like, hey, let's meet here. Let's go here for a week. And I'm getting closer to some friends like, you know, Julius, we've been hanging out more. And Danny, who's also here, we've been hanging out a lot. And honestly, it's like incredible. It's incredible to just think about myself and do what's good for me. It's insane. Like it's such a basic concept, like do what's good for you. But no one ever has said that to me. They're like, do what's good for your family. Do what's good for religion. Do what's good for society. Be a nice, good person. And that was like crushing me. How much money you have in your bank? In cash or in investments? Tell me everything. I think I have in Vanguard, which is an investment company. So you're investing in target date index funds and funds. I think I have a million, maybe just over or just under by 50K. Um, that's money that I won't touch. That's like investment money. That's for retirement, whatever. Then I have in uh, Robinhood, which is like a US app that you just kind of like, I invest in random stuff like crypto or individual stocks, like kind of play money where if I lose it, I won't be happy obviously, but like I'm experimenting. I think I have, it depends on how stocks have been. I don't check it at all, but maybe 400,000. Um, and then I have properties. So I have three houses in Utah that are four bedroom townhouses. In Utah? Mm-hmm. United States. Yeah. Wow. I used to live in Utah because I was Mormon. So I bought houses in Utah because that's the only place I know the rental market. And it, it was growing really quickly when I bought a few years ago. Everyone from California was moving to Utah. How much are they worth? 450,000 each. And you own four? Three. Three. So about your net worth is about $3 million. And I have cash. So then I also have cash, probably like half a million. So about $3 million yeah. all together. Yeah. Okay. And where did you make all this money? Um, Me and my ex-husband had a company together and we sold ex -husband it. Ex-husband is not Nusayar. No. I was married to another Mormon when I was religious. So we had a company together and we sold it. And it was like a five-year payout. So when you sell a company, they don't give you all the money at once. It's a How usually much a few you years. Got from I can't say because of legal stuff. But it's not three million, it's much less. Yeah. What's the percentage? <laughs> <laughs> but it I only so I had twenty percent of the company, right? So it was a bigger payout, but I only had twenty percent if that makes sense, mm -hmm. right? And then there's taxes on that. There's capital gains, taxes, and the payout was never completed. So, you know, it's a certain amount, right? Not three million though, because much less. And then from there, I made the rest from investing. Um, so maybe a few hundred K from investing. And then uh, most of it's from content creation. Okay. The vast majority is from creating content, I would say. How much you make per month now? Oh, and appreciation. Because when I bought the houses, they were 300K each. So now they're 450. So they're worth, so okay. that's already like half a million just in appreciation. How um, much do I make now? A month. <sighs> right now, very little because I just hired a team. And 
it's the first time hiring like yeah but how oh much you mean money revenue re yeah you make not new right now it it's not accurate because i just went through the breakup and i'm just having like summer i'm not really like making money right now i'm summer, like you are chilling you mean i mean i'm like going with my friends and hanging out and I, i'm spending money right now not making money right now okay. i'm in my like i'm learning about the flow of money and energy and so i'm experimenting with a concept of when you are loose with money in a in a way that feels good to you not in a stupid way but in a way that's strategic like spending money on friends spending money on nice experiences that make you happier i was always so tight with money in my life that I like wasn't enjoying existing. And this is like my first summer that I've like enjoyed have, having- What means tight with money? Cheap, I was cheap and the energy was tight like this. <gasps> you were afraid. Oh, I don't yeah. wanna order that food, it's $20. If I spend $20 every day, it's this much, which was good when I was poor. I should have been like that. I'm not poor anymore, but I still had a poor mindset. When did you shift this? I've been working on shifting it for years. Even in my relationship with Nasir, when we started dating, I was so cheap. It would like cause all these arguments. Um, and he wanted the relationship to be 50-50 with spending money. And I didn't like that. And I was like, it needs to be at least 60-40. Like you should pay for at least 60% of things. Okay. It's just, it's the natural order of things. Okay. And then right. even though I had way more money than him, <laughs> I still wanted, I want to feel like, I want to feel like a girl. Like I want to feel like taken care of. And But the when do you decide that, uh, okay, when we sp spend money is uh, we're not equals, but then. Because we're not equals. The patriarchy has been instituted on the earth for tens of thousands of years. I grew up looking at pictures of 50 white male presidents. There's no way, it's very convenient for men that suddenly we're all equal. When there's been a massive history of supporting men when only 2% of venture funds go to women. We can't pretend we're equal. We're not equal. And we're not treated equally in the world. And the thing is, even if we were 100% equal and women made the exact same amount of money as men, I think there is an important choice you can make as a woman and as a man. If you want to do 50-50, go ahead. I don't care. I'm not saying everyone should do this. I'm saying the truth is for me in my body, what feels good to me is that the man is paying more. And now I want the man to pay everything. For the new Aline, I'm not paying anything. I'll pay for myself, but I'm not paying for like shared expenses in the future. And if someone doesn't want that and they don't think, listen, if a guy is like comfortable financially, he won't care. If I met the most amazing man on earth and he doesn't have money, of course I will pay for things, obviously. But the truth is, I don't think the right man for me would be someone who's not at the same level who's as I am. Poor. Not poor, but just... <laughs> If you have the same mindset I have and you're at my age and you're at my intellectual level, the you chances of you having your... no money, no money is going to be low because it's like once you know how to make money, you know, it's not that hard. Once you know, once you're in the right circles, what am I going to date like a random man from the streets? No, I'm going to date someone who's, you know, compatible with me. And that includes financially. But again. They don't, if, if they have no money and I fall in love, of course I would pay, but I don't think that will happen. So you make how much the month you didn't share? It's different every month. I'm happy to pull up my financials. I just, I would say on a good month, like 70K on a bad month, like 20K. Okay. Yeah. And you have a team that you. I have a new team. So you, previously, you started now having a team. I decided I want to invest in a team. I want to invest the next year 
I don't know the financial amount, maybe 150,000 it'll end up being. I want to invest one year in a team and see what I can learn. So, so far I've learned that I can't just hire a team and expect them to know what I know and do what I do. I have to put in a lot of time and training. (laughs) A lot of, but I kind of did. I was like, that's why I'm paying you. I'm paying you to know what to do, right? But I'm not. I'm paying you so that I can train you to think how I think. It doesn't mean they're not capable. They obviously are, but they don't know how I function and what I want and how I think. So just this week, I finally had the realization like, oh God, I really am going to have to stop going on all these trips. I stop coming to things like this press trip and just sit the fuck down and like work with this team and learn how to be a manager and learn and do something I don't want to do so that later, hopefully it pays off. And if it doesn't pay off, I try. You, you, are, you Is the first time in your life that you're running a team? I've had teams before, but they were like not super expensive teams. Like they were like working per video. Like it was an editor paid per video. So he would get, he like had another job and he would just do it on the side for fun. Or I had um, um, like a graphic designer, but who works per project. I don't, I didn't need a 24 seven graphic designer. So this is the first time I've had, like I've had teams before, but like freelancer teams. This is like an employment team with like salary salaries, you know. And US what salaries. do you want to achieve with the team? What's the goal with the team? The goal is so that I can go to San Tropez for two weeks with my friends and have my company continue existing. The goal is that we can two, three, four X our income. And instead of me doing all the work and being burnt out and exhausted, that I have a team that's building something cool with me. I would love to just feel like the feeling I have when I'm working and getting a lot done. Like imagine if five people were just working and getting a lot done, like what cool shit we could make. Like the the retreats could be insane. Like we could have insane guests and insane locations, insane partnerships. Like the courses could like really help people. Like courses like change people's lives, you know, because I had a content creation course before. So I saw how it affects people. My, a new assistant, She took my course like before I knew who she was. She she put this in her application. She got 175,000 followers on Instagram just from watching the course, taking notes and applying everything. She never told me that before. I didn't like, I didn't know that that course helped that many people because you kind of make a course and you're like, is this helping anyone? So I think that's kind of important to me is I feel like I'm learning so much in life and I'm having all these like re- revelations and I'm like a new person and I'm so happy. And I like wish someone had told me this stuff earlier. So I kind of feel it's not my responsibility because I don't need to do anything I don't want to do. But like, it's kind of lame if I don't like share everything I've been learning. Okay. Uh, in your talk, you talk, a lot of the times that I told you, you are talking about how to make money as a creator with no followers and shit. Yeah. So uh, can you explain some of the most cool ways that you found to monetize audiences? Because me, I get sponsorships. And, and AdSense, that's my money. Audience. Audience, building your community. It depends on the creator. That's the thing. There's um, there's a million creators. There's a million ways to make money. So like, if you want, you can tell me about your content and I can tell you what I would do. But for me, what works and for people like me, I'm a community builder naturally. I want people to make friends. I want them to meet. That's why I do the retreats. I make WhatsApp groups. I have events. So for me, it's... Um, smart to monetize the community. So another thing that I've done in the past, I don't know if I'll do it again, is something called Success Circle, which is essentially an online mastermind. So every week for two hours, um, 20 people uh, were accepted. I just 
have a small group and we meet and I have a guest speaker or I have um, these things called hot seats. So let's say you have something you're worried about. Let's say you're like, I want to make more money from my content. I'm making, you know, 100K a month now and I want to make 200K. How can I make more? And then the entire group for 15 minutes tells you their feedback and they're all smart, successful people. And so that's what a mastermind is essentially. It's like a think tank of smart people supporting each other. And so that's another way to make an income is through, you know, community. I don't know what you would call that. Like gathering your community. You can sell products to your audience. People sell physical products. They sell e-products. They sell courses, which is knowledge essentially. But what's the percentage of your money that come every month from the retreats that you do? Uh, from uh... Retreats, the profit is only 13%. Everyone thinks my retreats are like, oh, because they're expensive. I mean, they're not expensive to me, but like to a normal person, they're like, that's expensive. They're like $4,500. That's now. And next year, they're going to be more, like probably 10 or 20. I want to do really high-end groups of people I want. I want people who are like 10K, whatever. Yeah, I'm coming, right? We meet these types of people. And I want to be around those people because those are that's who I want to be like. I want to be in such a flow state that I can just do what I want in life without worrying. So retreats are only 13% of income, but they provide much more value to me. 13% of your income profit. Total of 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 the monthly stuff that you, you can't get. look at it monthly. You have to look at it as a year because when I uh, sell 13% retreats, thirteen percent is thirteen percent on a year is on uh, a year of profit. Well, you, are, you are teaching me stuff. I, yeah. was, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Welcome, <laughs> baby masterclass. Yeah, so thirteen percent of profit, not revenue. Um, the mastermind was around seventeen percent, so much higher. But nobody really knows about my mastermind. It's like a small little thing, but it's actually a much higher profit margin because it's online and I don't have to pay for resort and assistance and fly people out and food and presents and blah, right? Um, and then ad revenue is like nothing because I don't really upload. Um, sponsorships last year was actually quite high, probably 20% maybe. On-camera work was maybe 10 or 15%. What does that mean? Like Google needs someone to talk for their videos. So they give you a script and you go and you talk. Right. Um, and then there I was love how you have exact percentage for everything. <laughs> oh my God. Good. <laughs> oh my God. Good. 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 Yes. 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 I'm a, I like business stuff. <laughs> yes. Your answer. Yes. I can think. Yes. Yeah. Don't be surprised. <laughs> I have brain inside. <laughs> no, but in the past I didn't have it all organized. If you asked me like four years ago, I'd be like, even know how much money I made but I have a mentor and she was like I was asking her questions a few years ago and she was asking me she's like what percent of your revenues from this what percent of your revenues from that that's how you decide where you focus next and I was like yes I don't know yes. she was like you dumb bitch go figure it out so I went <laughs> yeah. okay so you covered all the percentages uh there's other smaller ones but they're not like as relevant like I have a book deal so that's like a one-time thing so I'm writing a book with HarperCollins and so I have an advance. So that would be probably a percentage. I don't know how much, five or 10% because they do different. When you get a book deal, they don't pay all at once. They pay when the deal is closed, they pay when you deliver the book and they pay when the book is published. Or sometimes they pay in four parts, sometimes three parts, minus three part. Okay. Now that you learn everything about your finances, yes. <laughs> this is the first time that you speak so detailed about it. I'm always very open with my finances, but I'm never open in like, people just don't find it. Like this podcast is very niche. Like your audience is going to see this and that's it. So like my audience won't probably see this unless you do a video and we post it together. You know what I mean? 
So I don't ever post this like on my feed. But like if you come to any of my like, I actually did a whole presentation at NAS Summit, some other location that I forgot because I've gone to so many NAS Summits. But I, I did on the stage in front of everyone like a breakdown of my income and percentages. I'm very open with it. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I, I feel like it's, I feel like I, I want to live and do what I wish other people did. I wish everyone was open so I could learn what works and what doesn't work and just save time. Yeah. Man, men and women, there is a problem. I was talking with uh, another, Hopscope, I don't know if you know her. She is a big YouTuber in the United States. And we were talking about the problem that there is not equality on YouTube. There's so many more men, the biggest yeah. YouTubers in the world and all this stuff. So because you have interest in takes on topics like you explained mm -hmm. before, um, how do you think we should uh, find this balance in the world? And like, should we increase? Like, for example, now I'm going to go to India um, and uh, it will be first to travel across um India for free so yeah. the, the girls are, are concerned that uh, it's not the same for a man yeah, to be do, yeah so it's like um, I, but I still want to be to be, inclu be inclusive have girls yeah. in the thing so it, it's a lot of, it's, it's sometimes a big problem on how do are you inc inclusive so what do you think is the solution to the problem generally not to this problem generally. not with that in general I think, first of all, being aware of it is important and then taking action to do something about it. So like if there is a creator event. The thing is, I don't know that I believe that there's many, many more male YouTubers than female YouTubers. Maybe the top ones are. There is a, there is a statistic. Oh, yeah. What's this, what is this? I'm curious. What is the statistic? I, I'm not sure, but probably like 66% like of the creators that have over a million followers. Well, that's what I just men. said. Maybe the bigger ones are men. That's what I. That's the point I'm making. Is that I think if you look online at people who want to create content and who are creating content, I think it's probably a more even split. Um, and the thing is, when I go to these events, I think men organize most of the content creator events, and so men follow men and they invite men. And the thing is, I follow a lot of incredible women online with millions of followers and I never see them at these events and they get tons of views and are very successful and I think we have to shift our idea of success and not just say having the most numbers means you're the most successful like okay you're playing Minecraft so you have a million views of video playing Minecraft like I'm not putting that down I'm just like that's no, not that you know you bitch <laughs> I'm just saying like if there's a woman who's making a video that's talking about something more kind of important in life and getting a hundred thousand views, I think that's just as important as, you know, a guy playing Minecraft, right? So I think that at these events, they need to include more women. I'm often one of few women giving keynotes at these events and it's only because I know the organizers. And so they are like, oh, have let's have a lean do it. There needs to be more women and they need to know who they are. Like ask, I think the men should like ask other women, like what YouTubers do you watch? Because- I feel like as a woman, I'm pushed all these male YouTubers and I don't relate to them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never pushed these female YouTubers. I have to go find them by myself online and, and discover who they are and find their videos. And I'm like, wow, these are amazing. But I never would see them at it, VidCon. It, it, it's very interesting because, for example, uh, 
when I was setting up the cameras, you were here in a YouTube video. So I, I feel that men and women consume different content. Yeah, I was watching this girl called The Wizard Liz. She has millions of subscribers. I don't remember how many. A lot. And I've never, ever, ever, ever seen her in an event because she does talking head videos. She just sets up a camera and she talks about a topic. That's it. But the type of people they bring to these events are like, oh, you need a thumbnail like this. You need to do seven second cuts. You need to like jump in the screen. You need to do a backflip. You need to have a $10,000 thumbnail like Mr. Beast. This girl is, you know, we talked earlier about feminine and masculine energy. She's in feminine energy is more of a flow. Masculine energy is more of a push, right? So she's in feminine energy. She's getting millions of views from sitting and talking, right? She doesn't need to push. She doesn't need to do crazy cuts and edits and sound effects and jump and do a backflip to catch your attention, right? Her voice and what she's talking about is enough. But she's never, I had to find her by myself. She was never at any YouTube event or VidCon event that I, that I know of. And I know of a lot. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. I think there just needs to be more effort and initiative and less excuses. Uh, or maybe it's like the girls are not creating these events and only men are creating these events. And that's... Yeah, men tend to have more money, time, access, supportive wives and girlfriends, mm, connections. You know, men are brought up to do business. Men are talked to about business. Of course. Like, I'm shocked that I do any business. I didn't think business was for women. I was like, business is for men. Everyone I see doing business is a man. There was a statistic a few years ago that there's more male CEOs of Fortune 500 companies named John than female CEOs. That's the world we live in. So of course men are organizing. We can't look at women and be like, why aren't you organizing? That's like saying like someone born in like a developing country. Why aren't you organizing? Yeah, because they don't have the same access and opportunities. It's difficult. <laughs> is it? It is, yeah. For example, I'm trying hard to be, for example, inclusive, I me mean, as a person. But for example, with the other uh, videos that we did with the gay, traveling across countries for free because we're making a series, is there's only four boys competing. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's... It's easy because, for example, my audience is boys. So when I put who are is going to apply, on like eighty percent of the people are boys, and the girls maybe it's not a good match. So I'm having a lot big pool of this. So I'm like, I'm going to just spend another day. Not just everything say, has to be inclusive. Not uh, everything has to be inclusive all the time. But it, but you want it like so. People are saying to you they want girls. No, I want. Oh, you want? No, I don't. Why care don't you about invite a girl then instead of doing application only? Say. There's four spots. One is for women only. Say that at the beginning. So women feel like there's a chance and there's a reason for me to apply. Say we have four spots. Three will be for any gender and one is for women only. So women, I want you to apply. Please apply. I'm bringing a woman and I want it to be one of you. Just say ahead of time. That, that's interesting because I said that I made a video about hiring people and yeah. I said, guys, we have five people that will work in the team and they are boys. And I would really like for this position to be a girl. We're going to hire the best, but it would be cool if you are a girl. And then the best was a girl because yeah. I think I said that. So, and they feel like it could be them and that you are open to it being them. And wow. Yeah. Do you have full-time people? Seven. How much do you spend every month on salaries at total? About $10,000. Okay. Wow. 
That's better than you. So I have half as many and 50% <laughs> higher burn rate. Yeah, I need to go higher wherever you're hiring. But but just for people, context people, I, I like this business model of working with people from cheaper countries. Yeah. So I, I choose to work not people with editors, for example, from United States. Yeah. I choose to work with people from Brazil, from India, from Pakistan, whatever the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing is. So that's the reason. And that, you have uh, good out outcomes? Very good. Yeah. There are also people capable. Where like do you the hire American. From? from my audience. From your, oh, that works for you. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I think not works for me. It works for even Elon Musk is doing it. He's making a, a live stream in, about Tesla, and yeah. he's saying, "Oh, we're higher." And then he got three million applications just for uh, from that live stream. So I think this is the best way to hire yeah. people. Interesting. Did you try that? I've done it a lot before. Yeah. And not but... not successfully. Mm, not as much for me. Not as much for me. I think. When they're from my audience, also as a woman, I feel like I need to be nicer. Like if they were a fan at some point. And then I feel like in a work situation, I need to be like a, kind of a hard ass sometimes. And then I feel a bit weird because they're like, oh, Aline, she's nice online. And then in real life, I'm like, hey, this is not acceptable work, you know, and I don't want to be harsh to them. I don't know. It's like in my head, but I mean... Yeah, so I prefer actually lately to hire where people don't know who they're working for. Like I want professional people who use websites and do applications and do fill out forms and do the tests and they kind of, you know, usually they do know who I am once they're hired. They're like, oh yeah, I've seen you before. I've seen this before. But it's not like from my fan base. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just hiring wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, uh, or maybe you, it was very successful for me. I think that was the best yeah. decision ever. What like, What was your application process like? Uh, for edit, I told you uh, again in the car yesterday, yeah. but uh, I put uh, for, for a video. A full video. Full video. It needs like a week for them to edit. Yeah. Do it. And I will choose the best one. What about other find. roles? Do you have other roles? Um, other roles, let's say it's thumbnail make or if it's emails, a personal assistant that will help me with emails, I put them to do the actual task, like reach out, send me whatever, five emails that uh, uh, that you want to get me on the podcast and uh, on my yeah. podcast and like treat me like I'm going to be a guest and like follow up and do all this. Things. And and, I, and they do it and I yeah. judge based on the task. Okay. Oh, team building and hiring is. I, I hate people actually as well, <laughs> because I love my team, but I prefer to, yeah. like sometimes they have problems. Sometimes, uh, so better to have artificial intelligence to do stuff. Yeah, but if you then, figure it out, just teach the rest of us. <laughs> but then the connection that you feel in your life, because for me, it's like it's only my team. Like I don't hang out with anybody. I don't have any friends. It's just my friends. So yeah. I think I like that part about that. Your yeah. friends are only remote? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can go into that. <laughs> Where do you live now? In Dubai? Nowhere. Nowhere? I haven't been in Dubai in four months. I don't live anywhere. Okay. So what do you do? Every day in a different hotel? Yeah. Like this week I'm here in Mongolia. Next week, I'm in Nairobi. The week after, I'm in Spain. The week after, I'm in Turkey. The week after, I'm in Jamaica. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? I have 
different things in each place. Like I have this press trip here next week. A friend of mine got, um, used, they, they're really good at credit card points. So they got like a free points trip to like a really nice hotel in, um, Kenya to do a safari at the Masai Mara. And so I get to go. And then the week after it's my birthday. So I'm going with friends and renting a villa the week after I'm doing a retreat for my team in Istanbul. So we're all going to flying everyone, everyone in and we're going to hang out there the week, uh, a couple weeks after I have my retreat that I'm hosting with all the women in Jamaica. In Jamaica? Yeah. Wow. At like this really... So you choose locations that you want to go and hang out there. Yeah, it's like a super expensive property. It's like 30,000 something just to rent it for a few days. And like on my own, that would be so ridiculous to spend. But like I can do that at the retreat and I can bring all the women and it's like gorgeous and like three private pools. The whole property is ours. Um, it's it's like the most fun week of my year. So You do the only one week a year? I usually do four retreats a year, but all in different locations. It just depends on my mood. So currently the retreats are mood-based, but I usually do four a year <laughs> and in four different countries. This is how you treat the business generally, mood-based. <sighs> yeah, historically, honestly, yes. But so for next year, that's why I have the team. I'm hoping the team... <laughs> can help me build some structure and stick to the structure because I am very, my personality is like an executor. I can execute. I can do anything. I can do it by myself. But like I cannot plan ahead. I'm very much like what if I don't feel like it or what if I'm not interested in that topic in six months and I don't want to do that retreat. So the team now and I are trying to say like, okay, we're going to have four retreats a year. This one men can come. Every year at this time of year, this one, the theme is always, you know, goal setting at the beginning of the year, January retreat. Then every October there's Jamaica every, you know what I mean? So we're trying to decide like what are our flagship retreats and. So do you, you don't find this stressful to not have a place like in the hotels and stuff because sometimes having a place and it's more relaxed and focusing. I think something's wrong with me where having a place stresses me out. So like when I try to think of like renting a place, it's funny because I'll spend like $2,000 on like a one-way business class flight. But if you're like, oh, you can rent an entire apartment in Istanbul for $2,000 a month, I'd be like, no, 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 that's insane. That's crazy. So I'm going to spend $24,000 a year on an apartment that I may or may not be in, or I could just stay where I'm staying, like in hotels or whatever and enjoy that. Do I want a base? Yes. But do I want to be realistic that I have so many cool opportunities around the world that I probably will never be there? <laughs> yes. So I'm just like, I want Istanbul to be one of my home bases. Oh, yeah. Why? Um, I just love Istanbul. I feel like it's conveniently located. It's like near Europe, but also Dubai. Um, not that I ever go to Dubai. And they have like amazing beauty treatments there. Um, beauty treatments. Yeah, like they do like, they're famous for beauty. Like for men, they do oh, they yeah, do yeah. hair transplants for men. Like people fly there from all over the world to do like, I mean, I'm not getting plastic surgery, but like I'll do like a facial or I'll have my hair done and they do a really good job. And it's just like for a girl, it's nice to have all of that. Just I can go to Pilates. There's like a super cute neighborhood. I can have, it's like a nice lifestyle. They have really good food, um, cool people. People speak English mostly. 
And also it's a big city, so I can feel anonymous and just exist. In different language as well. Different language. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's a big city where you feel anonymous, but every neighborhood has such a strong, cute personality that you can choose a neighborhood to live in and have a sense of like community. Interesting. Now that we are in this topic, I'm like very interested recently to understand because you are from the United States. Yeah. And you don't choose to live there. No. <laughs> uh, but for business sometimes it's good to be in the United States. That's what everyone says, yeah. That's <laughs> but yes, please tell me the what you don't think is necessary and what countries you think is best for creating a business like a lifestyle as creator or whatever. Like touch a bit on this topic, please. I think what's best for everyone is different and you need to know what you want out of life. And for me, the US, I mean, I grew up there. It's just so boring. And I just feel like people who live in the US are like, um, I feel like people that are American or live in the US are always more fun when they're out of the US. Like when they're in Europe on vacation or when they're traveling or when they're living abroad. I don't know. I just feel like the US to me is like, a tiny prison. It just feels like a prison when I'm there. A big prison, not a tiny prison, please. It's tiny when you're thinking in terms of the whole world as your playground, right? Oh, yeah. yeah you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, why would I be in the US? I can go to Mexico. In the US, you get in a car accident, you're in debt, $200,000. In Mexico, you can afford anything. It's it's like beautiful for if you have a US salary, which I have. So you can have a beautiful time, amazing people, I feel like people are more fun outside of the U.S. I feel like the U.S., like, the architecture is, like, so depressing. Like, these big, ugly skyscrapers. Like, the water's so ugly and, like, it's, like, dark blue. Even in California and most areas, it's, like, blech. Like, I grew up in L.A. The water's, like, dark and cold. It's horrible. And the weather is, like, not great. It's, like, so humid in L.A. Even though it's warm, it's the best weather. It's not good. Like, there's no culture. There's no cobblestones. There's no like old buildings. There's no like vibes. It's like strip malls. It's horrible. I do not want to live there. I don't care if I make more money. But also I pay less taxes because I live outside of the US. So. Did you give up your passport? No, I have it still. Giving it up, you have to pay an exit tax, which is $2, very expensive. $2,000. I wish $2,000, I would have no passport. I would, goodbye. No, it's like you have to pay based on your previous year's incomes two years income. So if I'm ever going to give up my passport, which I probably won't, then I need to like be very strategic and like make no money for two years and find a way to like not pay an insane exit tax. Really? Wow. Yeah. Know. Exit tax. It's a lot in the US. So what are some other countries that you found cool that potentially to live in for a I don't live. I don't like to live places based on I, I live places based on people. So London, for example, is interesting to me because there's always cool people in London. Like, and it again, London feels like a town to me. They even say London town, you know, it's like town vibes. You can take like the bicycles around, public transport. In the US, it's, everything is so far apart. Like if you live in LA, you're going to be in traffic. If you live in New York, it's a little better, but it's still like, it's freezing and you're raining and you're going on the metro and you're cold and you're ah, oh, it's horrible. And then like, the rest, it's the US is so spread. Everything is so spread, right? In Europe, things are so close. Even in Dubai, everything is so close compared. Even if you have bad traffic in Dubai, nothing's more than an hour. In LA, it's like 
you could go to your gym and have a traffic jam. It's annoying. I don't know how anyone lives there. So many people. One, people dream of living in LA. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's like their lifetime dream. That um, coming from Cyprus <laughs> and going to United States and living in, the, in LA, I was like, I, I, it was exactly like I was dreaming for wow. Los Angeles. Did you like it? And then I was like, fucking hell. This you don't like it? Shit all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, oh, LA. And I'm like, oh, LA, you know. Yeah, I agree. And the vibe there is horrible. I don't like the vibe too. The only like, good thing about LA is Trader Joe's. What is this? It's a grocery store. Oh. Uh, yeah. They have nice stuff. That's the only thing. When I go to LA, I'm like, I want to go to Trader Joe's. The best things in the U.S. are Target and Trader Joe's. And one day in delivery on Amazon. <laughs> Dubai has that too. Oh, Dubai has that too. Okay. And in Dubai, every uh, not everyone, but it's way more affordable to have like a house cleaner, a house helper, a food delivery service. In the U.S., that's like a luxury to have. It's very expensive. Yeah, yeah. To have a chef in the U.S. is like you need to be a Oh, you're so rich. And in Dubai, it's like, ah, you can have a chef, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So what other countries apart from Dubai and United States you found interesting for living in, in, in Istanbul as well that you touched on? Oh, the thing is I really don't care. Like I don't care about where I live. I care about people. I want to be around Tell interesting people. Tell me where you found good and interesting people. I mean, people. I have a really good friend. I mean, I obviously love Tel Aviv because I'm half Israeli and Tel Aviv is, have you been there? No, never. It's a fucking vibe. It's like the best city in the world. It's so fun. Really? But it's also a problem for me that it's fun because if I have FOMO, so I can't work if I'm, there's like a beautiful beach. There's like an amazing bike path. There's like a million fun outgoing people. I'm never going to work. I'm never going to work. I'm going to go to the beach every day. I'm going to play volleyball. I'm never going to work. So Istanbul is nice because there is a lot to do, but it's also a very traffic city. So you don't really ever want to leave your neighborhood. And I don't have that many friends there, so I'm not distracted from work. But I don't feel lonely because the atmosphere is very friendly and fun and you start to recognize people in your neighborhood. I know like the doorman, I know the the bartender. So you have like people that you see every day. And then I can still get work done in theory. But then I always in Istanbul go to all these like beauty appointments. I agree because when you are bored, you work more. Yeah, exactly. That's why I can't live in Tel Aviv. Yeah. I will have too much fun. I will just, and my family lives there. So I have like a million relatives. Oh, yes. And they but all want to hang out. That's why I don't want to live in Cyprus. Yeah. It's fun. I love it. I love it. But too. living close to your friends and family. Never it's a, works. It's a no-no for hard work. Exactly. <laughs> Where do you live now? LA still? LA, yeah. Why do you live in LA if you don't like LA? Um, I don't know. It's because I'm traveling a lot. Uh, so I stay only two Isn't months LA a year. LA so far though? So all your flights, you have to fly so far. Yeah, but sometimes I make videos in United States. Uh, I, I feel that I need to be staying in United States because when the when you have United States audience, it's like they're paying, it's higher CPM and all this oh, stuff. Oh, because you're doing ad revenue. Yeah. So, so I think making more videos in the United States helps me to get more That makes more sense money. if you're doing the CPM play and sponsorships play. Yeah, so, yeah. And no, sponsor, you can make more in the US, I think. And yeah. sponsors care about United States audience and all this stuff. So, yeah, that, that's, I, I wish I didn't have. <laughs> but why LA? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to move. I'm going to move probably or Texas or Hawaii. Do you have any other recommendation? For I mean, Hawaii seems a bit far, but I guess there's a lot of creators there now. Brett Bretman Rock moved there, right? Um, you Do you have any other recommendation? In I mean, New York, US? New York or Miami, New York or Miami. Yeah, there's really cool people in New York and Miami. Yeah, but then I again, agree. maybe because I'm friends with all the Jews, and the Jews are like New York, Miami, <laughs> and so that's why I have a lot of friends in those places. Uh, so people probably will think now, oh, she broke up with Nas daily, so probably now she's broke. <laughs> This is from the outside. Okay. Uh, what people think because Nas is bigger than you know, yes, your yes, brand. Yes. So a lot of yes. people that know Nas and they know you've been through him, they think and Nas doesn't doesn't like hand me money. I'm not like a okay a this, house lady. This is what I'm. Shh, let <laughs> I me to make my own money. Let me finish. This is what it seems from the outside, and you yeah. probably get sick of this. Oh, this is Nosayar's girlfriend. This image of like this, they know me not because of me. They know me because of Nosayar. Uh, can you touch a bit on all these things? Sure. I guess I don't have that experience because my audience is who I interact with, mm. and my audience knows me, and they're not all from Nosayar because I've made hundreds of videos with a billion views of my own. So those are the people who follow me, are the people who have found me. Of course, some have found me via Nasir, but I'm also a personality on his channel, right? So it's not like, um, I, I think my audience is very happy for me. My audience is like, you look amazing since the breakup. You look so happy. We're so happy to see you like this. Um, you know, we're enjoying your glow up, da 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 So honestly, I don't really hear that stuff that much. I think the only time... It happens is like when I'm around the type of people who are very status oriented. So like social climber type people or climber type <laughs> yeah, people. or people who are like at events that um, just don't have a lot of like critical reasoning skills <laughs> because there's a way to say it. That's like totally fine. There's a way to be like Aline's a great creator. She's also known a lot in a lot of circles as, you know, dating Nas Daily. That's totally fine. Right. Um, because there are a lot of people who only know me from him, but they're not the ones who follow me, if that makes sense. So you're not see you don't have this experience that I'm talking. Not a lot. I mean, I have it, I have it sometimes. Like at this event, it happened one time. Someone said something like that at the dinner the other day, remember? Um were you at the dinner last night? Uh, do you want to say what happened? You can Oh, essentially it's just someone referred to me like kind of jokingly as you know, known as Nas Daily's girlfriend. Oh, oh, and then oh I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, I remember. And then I was like, not really, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I am, but you know, in the context, whatever. It happens sometimes and the people who do it are usually not people who I care so much what they think. Because if you refer to someone that way, it shows the okay. way you think. Does okay. that make sense? Yes, it does make yeah. sense. But now I form a bit better the image that I wanted to to pop, ask. To, if you're asking to, a to ask. Question. Yes. So uh, a lot of people think that Nas daily built you. Okay. You. What you have to what say? What do I have to say about that? 
Like build I, I, because I, they don't know that you had businesses before, that you had an exit. They don't know yeah. anything. Like for for me, this is the perception that I had as well before I met you in real life, and I was like, oh. She's not fucking dumb when she <laughs> on her presentation. So yeah. she must know something. So uh, Yeah. I mean, the truth is I think even Nasire thinks he built me, right? But I think that all that matters is what I think, right? I mean, I don't like to I don't want I I will answer you, but I don't like to answer this question because I feel I don't I don't need to justify myself. I don't need, not not to you, but in general, because of course this has come up, right? I don't think anyone should have to justify themselves. I think anyone who knows me at all will know who I am and how I am and would never think that. I mean, if you want to look at the facts, the facts are before I met him, I and my ex-husband had a video making company where we charged three hundred up to $300,000 per one video, where we would make videos that get millions of views, where I hired our entire marketing team and trained them where we worked with, you know. So not Nas Daily built you, your pre, your ex-husband and Nas Daily built you. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's an offensive joke. Yeah, I think it's an offensive joke. Yeah, I, I don't like jokes like that. Um, and it's just like something that as women, you know, we're getting these jokes all the time and it's really tiring. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't think is this is something that... Uh, So so you feel offended now? Yeah. Not by you. I'm just like by this it's just, by this it's just comment. it's an exhausting endless topic that is exactly um kind of what's wrong with the system. That's right? why it's important to address it. Yeah, I know, but it's like I don't it's like if you're a black person, you probably get sick of talking about why it's important to like have affirmative action or to, you know, support You know, black, you don't want to be the educator. Like people should educate themselves. Like I'm already a woman and I'm already dealing with being a woman and I'm already dealing with the negativity that comes But with. But I'm not a woman and I'm not dealing yeah. with these problems and I never have these problems and I care about learning and I want a person to show light. Yeah, you should this. learn yourself. You're a smart but, person. But how? Go online, Th Google it. That's why I'm asking you. Google, Google, go But, research, you know, you know, why, why are women... Uh, what is the patriarchy? How does patriarchy work? Like, what is white privilege? Like, I had to learn this stuff myself. Like, you you can go online. Like, But this you is read. how you learn. You ask people. I'm happy to talk with you. But I'm just saying a 20-minute, two-hour conversation is not going to educate you. You have of to look at the history of situations. Of course it's going to educate. A lot of times you can learn the facts. Yeah. But you cannot feel the feeling that the other person feels. Yeah. Well, so I'm now, showing you the feeling. Yes, That's what I'm now giving you. Now I get it. Now... It's yeah. like, oh, this is something. It's annoying. It's annoying and it's offensive. And it's it's like, it's like you know how you said before you met me, you know, that you just kind of assumed that he grew me and all of this stuff. Like the thing is, people always assume it's the man. And the thing is, it's not that he grew me or I grew him. It's that we grew together. Like when I met him, I had already a lot of money, Right. When I met him, he had $60,000. When I met him, he liked me because I was rich. No one knows that, right? Unless you watched our really old videos. We had to make a video about it at one point because when we started traveling together, people, no one knows that before I met him, I'd already been to over 60 countries. Nobody knows like, I, I, I'm just tired of being such a capable person and being reduced to, uh, you know, this person made you, you know. He didn't edit my videos. He didn't. 
uh, live my life. My videos are about my religion, about my divorce, about my experience. Like no one can do that for you. No one can live life for you. No one can create you. And it's an exhausting conversation and topic. And I just feel like people need to do better in terms of being critical to themselves. And when you catch yourself thinking that about someone, which it's so easy to think, everyone wants to reduce what other people do, especially women. So when someone sees a woman online, they're like, oh, she's successful because she's pretty. Do you know how many pretty women there are that are not successful? If you see a beautiful model, do you know how fucking hard it is to be beautiful? Do you know how much work these women put in to be beautiful? Do you know how hard it is to have your spray tan stay even in the summer? These girls are like, I did this in the past too. I'd see a beautiful woman online and be like, oh, they like her because she's this. Okay, sure, they like her because she's pretty sometimes. It's hard to be pretty. It's hard work and she's putting in the work. Okay, so don't be jealous. If she puts in the work and she wants to be pretty, let her be pretty, right? So it's always easy to look at someone and put them down. It's easy to look at someone and say, you know, oh, they got this, they got that. But the thing is they did get it and you don't have it. So what did they do that you didn't do? And what should you be doing differently? And why? Anytime you feel yourself like negating someone's success, I think you should look at why am I negating their success, right? Even Georgina, you know, Ronaldo's yes. wife, that, that's someone I'm guessing it's easy for people. I don't know. Maybe she, everyone loves her. I don't know. I'm just saying that could be someone that it's easy to be like, the narrative I've heard is, oh, he found her at a store and he took her. Yeah, he took her because something is unique and amazing about her. She attracted him. You didn't. So it doesn't mean that he made her. She attracted him. She made herself into a person that would attract him. You know, so I think I think it. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, now I feel the same with situation. For example, with me and uh, and I went to United States and I've been to yeah. Iraq and Mr. Beast videos and all this stuff. And I feel like yes, my personality attracted those opportunities. Like uh-huh. you, the, you were saying this. So I think yeah. that's yeah. The, yeah, I mean, when I met you, you were like much smaller. When I first met you, you were like. I don't know, but like you were like a rando crazy person essentially. And now you've been a consistently rando crazy person and you've turned being that type of person into your career, right? And your personality. And once you're successful, everyone's like, oh, it's because of this. But when you're just starting out, it's not obvious that you would succeed. You know what I mean? You know, you didn't know that Elon Musk would hug you. Maybe you did that for so long and then he never hugs you, right? But you took the risk and you put in the time and the effort. And you did all this work, right? So it's very easy to reduce the effort and work of others. I think so. I never thought that. And I do it automatically as well. And I will yeah. be more conscious now. We to- all do. I, I had to retrain as well. I did the same thing. It's insecurity. We have an insecurity. And we're trained by our family, by society, by whoever. You know, it's different for every person to tear other people down in our heads even to make ourselves feel better, right? You're talking about therapy and you, I think when I asked you about me and my girlfriend, you told me go to therapy together yeah. two, two years ago. Yeah. So, Did you go? No. Okay, well. <laughs> you saw how it, there you, we go. you went to, to therapy. So. No, we didn't go as a couple. Couples therapy I wanted. Oh, oh we yeah. We didn't go to couple. I went personal therapy, so I'm doing great. So tell me about the therapy, you know, how, it helped you, how it helped your life. 
I mean, I think I would be a much worse person. I would be a, first of all, I've been in therapy since high school. So I had an eating disorder when I was in high school. So I went to therapy for my eating disorder. It took like 10 years to get over my eating disorder, right? Um, then I kind of stopped therapy. Then I got, when I got married, because I was like cheap and didn't want to spend money. And then after our divorce, I still didn't want to spend money. But then when I was dating the sire, it was getting so bad. Like five years ago after only like one year of dating, it was getting so bad. And I was like crying and I was like, I don't have the tools. I don't have the tools to have these conversations. I could feel things happening. Like he would say something to me that I thought was mean or hurtful or whatever. I, that's just how I felt. I'm not saying it was mean or hurtful. And then I didn't know how to respond. So we'd end up like yelling at each other or fighting or escalating. And I would get so angry. I used to get angry. Like my blood, I remember, I remember I was like, we had fought one time and like I could feel my veins. Like my blood was like boiling. I was so angry and hurt and I didn't know how to control it. And I was like, I need to fix this. Like, and so I went to therapy and I learned how to have like better communication. And now I'm like a different person. Now the chances of me escalating in a fight are very low. It'll happen only if I'm maybe once, maybe once a year, maybe once a year, maybe if I'm exhausted and tired and angry and cranky and hungry, you know, and I have all these other elements. But so, I would yell at him and he would yell at me. And so now, basically, yeah. to recap, like, answer your question. Yeah. Sorry, was that too long? <laughs> no, no. But because you went into specific uh, examples, yeah. and you, I, maybe we lost the big picture. Oh. So on the therapy, you find situations that you lack and you try to improve them. Yes. So so this is it's not therapy for like feeling good, it's to improve as a person. That's the goal that you're... Everyone does therapy differently, I guess. Like another therapist I work with, we talk about, right now I want to learn how to have... You have a lot of therapists. I have two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Because they have different personalities. Because I had one therapist for five years and I was feeling like, okay, it's been five years. She's really good at helping me improve my communication improve my thoughts but I was like I feel like we're kind of going in circles at this point and then our friends Christian LeBlanc and Ruby uh, recommended me their therapist and I went to her I don't think she's an official therapist but she's like a therapist if that makes sense and she's like been incredible for me and thank god Ruby forced me to go to her and was like you need to try this lady um, because she's completely different she goes into my emotions My therapist is more logical like me. Like, okay, when the sire says this, you can say this. Don't escalate. Don't get angry. Like, just leave the conversation. Say, I'm not having this conversation right now. Never sound angry or mean. Your tone will change what, what it's like. So she would be like that. And the new one is like today or last week I spoke to her about like my heart. I would never talk to my other therapist about my heart. But I was like, I want to be more open. I want to like, I want to have a relationship someday if I do or I'll be alone forever. But if I have a relationship, I want like a love. I want to feel love and I want to feel like open and not like I'm uh, closed down because I'm a very closed down person. So I'm trying to learn how to be more open. And so she does like visualizations. She's like, imagine this, imagine your mother. And she's really good at getting me to like get in touch with my feelings. So that's a different thing. So I go to each one for different stuff for the intellectual and for the feeling yeah and you do it every week no some weeks i'm really busy but almost every week like 
I try to go every week to at least one of them. Like two weeks ago, I did. I went to both of them because I was stressed. And I was like, I write, what I do is I have a, a note in my phone and I write all the things I want to ask them about during the week. So if I have something like a situation come up, like maybe I feel jealous of someone. I'm like, okay, I feel jealous about someone. I'm like, I'm doing too much. I'm doing too much in my life right now. How do I decide what I'm doing or not? I'm having so many opportunities. I'm getting too good at manifesting. I'm having every week three amazing trips I could be on, but then I'm not working on my company, you know? Um, you know, I, I like have insomnia, so I want to talk about insomnia. You are, you are talking about the points. Wow, this is juicy. I'm reading you the points. Wow. Remember I told you I don't want to live anywhere, so I was like, okay, why do I hate routine? Why am I like afraid to live somewhere? And so we talked about like how I'm afraid of settling down and I'm afraid of, you know, being in one place and how it doesn't feel good to me. We talk about like, um, like I feel anxious very often when I'm by myself. So like, why do I feel anxious when I'm alone? Other people, when they're alone, they relax. And when I'm alone, really? I'm anxious. Yeah. So wow. I have like a whole list and every week I, I go, okay, here's my topic. Can, can you touch a bit on the alone? Feeling anxious when I'm alone. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I was an only child and both of my parents were never around. Like my mom was a teacher. My dad lived in Israel. So I was literally alone my whole childhood. So you think I'd be like chill about it. But I just, when I'm alone, not every time, obviously, but in general, I feel like needy. I'm like, I need to talk to someone. I need someone I need to call a friend. I need to have noise. I need to have a podcast on. I don't, I'm like afraid of myself. I'm like afraid of my own thoughts and I'm afraid of me and being alone with me. And so I'm always distracting myself. If I'm in the shower, I have a podcast on. Motherfucker. Yeah. I'm never in silence. <laughs> so I'm working on that. That's something that in a few years I'll probably be better at because I'm working on it now. You know that I'm op the opposite. I you love being alone. I hate being with people. I am actually around with people. And I love having people around. Like if I could, I'd be like, Fidias, just sit in my room. Just like, even if we're not talking, just like sit here and do your work here and I'll be there. I just like to know someone's there. You know, but I think this is the one of my advantages. I think uh, the best things ever because it's like when you are alone and you are bored, you you are doing stuff. And no, it's a huge advantage. I wish I was like that. I spend, I waste so much time, like, and it builds yeah. you, you so much on your confidence because if you if you can do everything alone, if you can go for a walk alone by yourself and be happy, enjoy, it, then you don't you understand that you don't need anything in life. Yeah, I'm not like that. How are you like that? I don't know. <laughs> If I knew. You can't just teach me. You can't give me like a little master class right now. S spend, uh, I, every three months I spend five, five days alone in a room. Yeah. With no technology, with no Wi-Fi, with nothing. No technology. Yes. No so, phone? No phone. No video camera? No, nothing. Okay. And I just think, and I have papers and write stuff. Five days. Yeah. And that's, uh, do that. Try that. Oh, okay. that sounds like. That's a good uh, training for... <laughs> What do you do with your brain for five days? I think. And it's the most creative five days of my life because I'm bored so much by myself. No other people. I'm locked in a camp in the woods or something. And oh it, it's so beautiful. Actually, try that. I would turn on my phone. I wouldn't do it. You, I, I give my phones to other people when I do it too. Oh, like they drop you off. No, I um, I go to a hotel for five, seven days and I stay in, in the hotel with no technology or something. Interesting. Yes, try that. 
Let's see how I'm curious to hear your Five experience. Five days is really long. Okay, do three. <laughs> What about three hours? <laughs> okay. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so actually try that. I think and people in the audience just for, I, I don't like, I'm not a motivational speaker or whatever, but I'm, I, the only thing that I like, I give to people is do this challenge. Yeah. It's like, it's, see it as a challenge. Not that it will change your life dramatically, but see it, see it as a challenge. And yes, yeah. I see everything like that in my life. If I give you one trillion dollars, how do you spend it? Beautiful. I save it. I save most you, of it. Oh, I'll wait, tell you. Le let, let me explain you a bit more. I, <laughs> this is, I want you to direct this conversation more where you spend it personally, but more about how you have the impact that you want to have in the world. With oh, the impact. Okay. Trillion dollars. Okay. Um, I'm less focused on impact lately, if I'm going to be honest. But I used to be very impact focused. Um, I would, yeah, it got very tiring to always think about other people and what they need. Uh, I would spend it on, I don't know what a trillion dollars is, but it sounds like a lot. Uh, I would spend first on myself. I would buy beautiful properties around the world that I can let my friends stay at when they're traveling or I could like let people stay at for free, which would be fun. Um, that's probably only like a billion or half a, half a billion dollars. A million? Um, half a billion. Half a half billion. A, yeah, the 500 million. Because there'll be nice houses. There'll be a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably spend like a hundred million over the course of my life on like health and wellness. Uh, I'd probably like build an animal shelter or like a ton of animal, probably each of the houses in whatever city the house is in, I would like give uh, like $10 million to like an animal shelter so they could have like rescue dogs and cats and stuff and like educate people about like adopting. And so the animal shelters would run nearby. Uh, and- We're still didn't pass the billion first. <laughs> the other- Nine billion. Nine hundred ninety-nine. Nine hundred ninety-nine billion. I would, I think I would just do all the dog and cat stuff. I would just do all, I would just um, spay and neuter all those street dogs and cats. And I would just build a ton of shelters around the world. And I would make it illegal to breed dogs, except for in the case of keeping specific breeds alive for like shows and stuff you would have to adopt dogs and then you could start breeding dogs again only when all the street dogs and cats have been taken care of that's what i would use it all for why you're so passionate about this topic can you tell me a bit more what's the problem um so essentially like every day in just in the u.s like millions of dogs and cats are killed because they don't have families. And imagine in the rest of the world, if in the developed country of the US that many are put to, to sleep, imagine how many are killed every day. And people are super, people are abusive to, when you have a hard life, you're abusive to the only things that are seen weaker as you, which is usually like children or animals, right? Children are usually a little more well-protected because they're human. So they have a parent, hopefully, that will help protect them unless the parent is the problem. But like dogs and cats on the street, a lot of places people see them as like vermin they see them as like something to just kill right or hurt or let it starve who cares right um and for some reason i 
very, very closely relate to animals, especially like domestic animals. And like to me, they're almost like humans. So I think they're better than humans because they don't have any negative intentions ever. And we as humans created the problem of street dogs and cats. It's not like a wild animal. They're domesticated animals. Um, and I grew up with only a dog. I didn't have my parents at home. I didn't have brothers and sisters. Um, I think it's genetic that I love animals, honestly. I think it's a genetic thing because it's really strong. And when I see like, like when I see a sheep, like a sheep and I look in its eyes, like it's like horrifying for me that someone would kill it to eat it. It's like shocking. It's like violently shocking to my system. So like this trip, we've seen a lot of animals being eaten, which makes sense because, you know, the culture and stuff. But I live in a world in Dubai, in the U.S. with refrigerators and tofu and tempeh and seitan. And I don't need to eat meat and I don't need to kill animals. And so how long have you yeah. been vegetarian? Since I was 12, I became vegetarian. Yeah. So for whatever reason, I am cursed with caring about dogs and cats and I wish people would just adopt instead of buying them. It's just such a simple thing to do. And I just think they're just like perfect creatures. Like dogs and cats are like kind of perfect. You know, they're just cute and fluffy. They just want to love you and hang out with you and be non-problematic. People just are not nice to them sometimes. So that would be what I would use all the money for. Maybe I would make some orphanages. But I feel like someone else will do orphanages and then I can do the animal stuff. Or maybe like an orphanage where they have the dogs and cats and they like all live together. <laughs> I, I actually never thought deeply about this topic that yeah. it was a problem of the world. So it's not, it's not like common knowledge that people have that cats and dogs are suffering in this way. Yeah, I'm surprised people don't know. I don't know, especially Cyprus, you should know. Like you have so many street cats and a lot of them get sick and are not healthy. Like even in Cyprus, I went to an animal shelter. I went to a cat shelter. There's a woman who has 800 cats she rescued and I donated um, for many years money to her. Like you can sponsor a cat and then you pay her and then that money takes care of that cat in her in her cat colony. Um, yeah, I've made videos about it before, but... You know when you're like too passionate about something, it's like you almost can't talk about it because you're like, I'm too close to it. Like I know too much. So it's hard for me to think about someone who's never even, yeah, like yeah, the fact yeah, that yeah. someone doesn't even know like- You are on your own bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in a bubble. So, but I do make videos about it. Like, um, but I think I'm just too close. So, and I'm also like intense about it. So I don't make that many- videos about do it. you know the po the bobby podcast the girl that uh, my friends told me about it yeah did you saw it i've never seen it but i've seen pictures i know she does it in bed right <laughs> bed. <laughs> right she sits in bed with them and does a podcast no she sits in different locations oh maybe one was in a bed well, yes and i thought Drake. they were all in a bed yeah yeah with okay, okay, okay okay yes yeah, so i think you need to start the podcast as well okay like that by sitting <laughs> weird locations. <laughs> I will start one eventually, but I have to spend first time on my personal growth. 
Maybe in like first six months. time, you said. Time first. Oh, time. First time on my personal growth. Because podcast is giving, right? And I need to be... Giving? Yeah, yeah. talking. It's using my energy, shooting, setting up, thinking about it, uploading it. I'm sharing me with the world. But first, I need time to feel whole again and complete after the breakup. And I need to feel powerful and like do my personal work and then i can do podcast maybe i'll think about it okay so you are going to die let's say in 30 in one minute from now okay so and this is the last footage that the world will have for you yeah. so you can say some stuff about in your family or to your fans or whatever the thing is. So you are you actually going to, I will put a timer. Great. I mean, 60 seconds is really long, but yeah. Here. So you're going to, and this is how we're going to end the podcast with yeah. you exp dying in one minute and Great. using this. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Start. Do whatever you want. Adopt animals and don't buy animals. Think about your life and what you want to do with your life. Remember, you're also going to die. So just have fun and enjoy things. Go to therapy or watch YouTube videos about self-improvement. Be kind to yourself and be compassionate to yourself and don't be hard on yourself all the time. Uh, remember, nothing matters. So just enjoy your life. Bye. I only need 30 seconds. Okay. We love you guys.